Welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss, and drink to, their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Malshausen. And this is going to be our last Wine and Murder Night for almost a month. Yeah, a few weeks. A few weeks. I am heading off on a holiday uh, to the Scottish Highlands. And uh, I'll be gone for like 10 days. Are you going with your mom? No, I wish. What's actually really fucking funny is um, I planned this trip just because I got stupid cheap tickets to Inverness. Like I was just like, I need to go somewhere. And I was, I'm writing this story. It's bad. Um, And it takes place on a fictional island off the coast of Isle of Skye, which is not really ever particularly referenced, but is, that's where it takes place. And, uh, so I was like, I saw an email come through for like cheap flights to Inverness and I was like, I could go to fucking Scotland, whatever. So I'm going actually with my little sister and, um, another writer friend of mine. Um, and yeah, we're just going to go putz around in Inverness for a couple days. Then we are going, uh, we're taking the train and going down to Isle of Skye. And gonna putz around the Isle of Skye for a couple of days, um, back into Inverness, and then come back. Nice, nice. Yep. Oh, that that area is wonderful. Nathan went to St Andrews, so um, we would trade weeks when we would visit. Like he would come down to Cambridge, and I would go up to St Andrews. And um, one week uh, at his house, we had about two weeks off. This was before the ski trip to New Zealand. That's another, <laughs> <laughs> another story. But um, we did all. We did like a Highlands tour, and he uh, hired a car, and he was a fabulous driver. Um, mm-hmm. And so he hired a car, and we drove around all across the Highlands. And I hate driving when I have to, but I uh-huh. enjoy driving on trips. Like I, I drove around the entire uh, island of Iceland with a friend of mine. So I like driving when I don't. I don't mind driving either. We are we are renting a car on Sky, and I'm gonna have to drive it. And I'm mm-hmm. a little less worried about driving wrong side of the road because a lot of the driving I'll be doing will be one lane roads. Yeah, <laughs> so, don't worry about that. Um, so I'm not even gonna like. Yeah, I just gotta pull off although, on the right. Although to be 100 percent fair, those one lane roads in Iceland were in uh, fucking mountains, in yeah. tunnels. So you have to pull off. Into a little like waiting area, and there was mm-hmm. a light that turned on when it was your turn to go. Yeah, not not the funnest actually. <laughs> so, That's uh, kind of I did. Um, I was in Maui several years ago, and the road to Hana is a very famous drive in Maui, and it's the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, there's in fact a lot of blind turns, and so like it, it's like a thing that you have to like lay on your horn to let people know that you're coming around okay. this blind turn. Well, I sent a few dream lights. I think that's much friendlier. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> You're off to a, a, a European adventure soon too, right? I am. At the end of May, I'm off to uh, Sweden to uh, to uh, argue my dissertation, my master's dissertation. It's not really an argument, it's a defense. Um, and I get to defend my dissertation, which I'm still fucking writing. <laughs> um, it's going on well, though. It's fine. God, already 40-something pages. And I only Jesus. Need about, yeah, I only need about 10 more. So um, I'm fine. But I get to go do that. But I've got loads. I've got whole loads of time. So I might do 
a couple days in uh, Stockholm. But here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. I'm staying at the same place that we stayed at two years ago. <laughs> it was it came up available. And so That's awesome. I messaged him and I was like, Hey, I stayed with you a couple of years ago. Can I stay with you again? And he goes <laughs> and he goes, Welcome back. Oh, yay. <laughs> so he was he was lovely. He was a lovely host. I mean he mm-hmm. didn't hear anything, he gave us keys. But um that's really all I want from my Airbnb hosts. I want them to be like my Lyft drivers, like efficient and silent. <laughs> However, I was there for a week and I stopped by this cafe on a lock on my way to university when we were doing uh, the walking tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the best fucking chai latte in my life. And I had only had it, and I was leaving like the next day. And I was like, how have I never had this chai latte? I got really angry. She complimented my Swedish. Um, which was nice, but like, I'm so, I'm gonna go every day and have the shot. It was, it was honey and delicious. So I'm super excited as well. Um, I love Sweden. Uh, I do too. I wouldn't mind living in Sweden. Mm, Uh, And then I can come visit you. On a list of places to live. That's, at the top. Iceland is at the very top. Iceland is number one, but Sweden is probably like number three. Sweden's my number one for sure. Sweden's, I loved Sweden. I would go back there in a heartbeat. So after, like, Germany, because I could go back home, and well, it wouldn't yeah. be a hassle. Like, it's like, Iceland, home, Sweden. France is still in the top five, but barely. Mm-hmm. Barely. Well, speaking of France, what kind of wine are you drinking tonight? A Chilean one. Um, oh. I'm drinking an uh, Chardonnay, 2016 Chardonnay by uh, El Vera, which means mm-hmm. which means to sway, or the sway, mm-hmm. the balance, and um, it is pretty fucking awesome. I'm sorry, I'm gonna leave it, but I hate the fucking <laughs> the flavor text on the back because they they use bad Spanish. Oh no! Not the whole thing. The phrase bueno hondo, which means good vibes. No. They don't say that. Oh, no. Captures no, the essence. Don't make it. Don't spread the vibes, man. Yeah. Captures the essence of happiness that exudes from Latin American cultures. These wines seek to embody that same vibrant spirit in our wines. So open up a bottle, share with friends, and join us on a journey through some of South America's most loved crime. It's a wine club wine, but I got it from Needle for $7. Nice. I am also drinking a South American wine. Um, I'm a big fan of a Malbec, so uh, I you picked are. this up the other day. You've drunk many of those. I do, I do. And it's, it's, uh, I'm fairly confident I have not had this one on the program. Uh, this is Altos del Plata. It's from Argentina. Um, and it's a 2017 Malbec. It's uh, nice and smooth on first open, but yeah, I uh, haven't had enough to give it a good review yet. Or, uh, well, obviously we do our reviews at the end, whatever. I, I went to Argentina when I was too young to drink, um, but they put, um, they put, always just put wine on the table. And I was like, I'm 15 or 16 years old, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> But everyone at my table was old enough to drink, so I just watched them got drunker and drunker eating this delicious fish dish. I love Argentina. Um, uh, I have to talk about my past a little bit more, but that was when um, I was doing so poorly in school because I was traveling to uh, 
And that <laughs> actually brings us to a good uh, point for our second episode of Miss Fisher's, because you have a history with Australia. And so for today, we're reviewing Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Season 1, Episode 2, Murder on the Ballarat Train. So I lived in Melbourne, um, part of an exchange program when I was living in Japan. And um, I lived there for like eight months. It's where I like to surf. Shout out to my surfing instructors. <laughs> who is the most beautiful man in the world, and Sean, spelled like Sean Bean. So, shout out to Tyler and Sean. Not that they listen to this. Not that they remember who I am. This, we have listeners from Australia. I get those true. stats. <laughs> that is true. Um, this was 20 years ago, though. So, <laughs> you, know. you don't know. They could love cozy mysteries and political commentary, man. Come that on. That is very true. Um, so, I lived in Melbourne. I learned to surf, and um, I went to Ballarat. So it was really funny. When I first watched this, I was like, why do I, why do I know what this is? And it's because I've been to the Ballarat Botanical Gardens and the Ballarat Flower Show. Now, they talk about the agricultural uh, expose in the show, so it's a little different, but it's the same. And Ballarat's a nice day trip-ish. Well, the episode starts in Ballarat with a man sitting down at a table and all of these young girls, probably like preteen to early teen, um, place a bunch of coins and anything they're fishing out of their pocket on the table for him. One of them places coins, but it's only a couple and he grabs her her hand and accuses her of stealing from him. And another young girl grabs the meat fork that's been sitting on the table and just stabs him, and they both run off. Way to be. And I didn't recognize him in this scene, but that man is a five-Polish actor. Yeah. <laughs> He is the only five actor I recognized in this entire episode, so I guess kudos on you, uh, Miss Fishers. But um, he was the only reason I recognized him is because the only reason I recognized Ballarat. He was in an episode of the Doctor Blake mysteries. Oh, okay. I watched the first episode and was not a fan. I watched all of it. Um, I. I think it does get better the first time. Oh, episode. wait. That was the one where you were talking about where there was a flower show, right? There was a flower show in that one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's one of the later episodes. But that's yeah. literally just exactly the flower show. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Blake Mysteries takes place in Ballarat, which is the only reason I would ever pronounce it Ballarat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, that's how what I know. Would you, what would you pronounce and, it as anyway? It's Ballarat. It's always in Ballarat. Um, I would probably go with like, yeah, I would, I would do a, a, a softer Ballarat. 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 No, Ballarat. Ballarat. <laughs> I, I don't know. Australians, they do weird things to vowels, man. They do weird things to language. 
I'm saying man a lot this episode. I don't know. You're American. I'm, but I don't, but I don't say man a lot. Well, you're American. I feel like Denver has changed you. <laughs> sure, I like to hike more. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure maybe in future I will pick up a taste. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nowhere to hike in here in Augusta. Yeah, actually, I'm really excited about that part of the whole Scotland trip. Oh, yeah. I like to hike, and the, my sister likes to hike, and my uh, friend likes to hike. So in Skye, there's beautiful hiking. I'm very oh, yeah. excited about that. Oh, yeah. In the Highlands, there's lots of nice hiking, too. When I was fitter, I have to say that if you had known me 10 years ago, you would be impressed because I was incredibly fit and incredibly not whiny about fitness activities. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, like, super duper fit, and, like, I couldn't, there's a lot of people who are like, let's do a seven-mile hike. I'm like, you fucker, crazy. Um, but I like, I, and I couldn't do anything that was, like, there's a thing in Colorado that, like, on dating profiles um, specifically, and this is only a Colorado thing. Like, there's a lot of things you'll see across the U.S., but in Colorado, everybody has a picture of them on some sort of summit and it's the name of the summit and the altitude. Oh, yeah. It has and, a little sign, right? Yeah. And there's a thing about Colorado about hiking 14ers, which is going up to a mountain that is 14,000 uh, feet above sea level. And that's a no from me. That's a no. That's just a mm-hmm. no. No. Mm-mm. I don't mm. care about that. See, that's the thing about these, exp- like, these kind of extreme people. They want you to know that they're super extreme. And I'm like, dude, nature is not there for us to conquer. Nature is us, us there for us to remind ourselves of the frailty of man and that nature will be here long after we've destroyed ourselves. So, uh, fuck you. It's not, like, people like that bug me. Like, yeah, go for hikes because you like it. I surfed because it was great. I wasn't trying to be the best surf in the world. Although I did get really good because I love water and I love swimming. But, like, I still respected the waves. Like, I once hit a shock with my surfboard. Didn't realize. Like, didn't realize it. But it was a junior, it was like a baby, and it was like being braver than usual. <laughs> and I thought that I had hit, like, you know, the bottom. And no, he won the shot because, like, two minutes <laughs> later, the lifeguard was, like, blowing because there was a shark sighting. And apparently the mother shark was, like, close and was, oh, like... Oh, God, so, no! Yeah, so, and also, so, the very first lesson that I had, Tyler, Tyler was my first... And he was like, so here are all the snakes. <laughs> here are all the sea snakes in this part of the water. Um, the antidote is too far away, so really, we'll just pray if you get bitten. <laughs> the antidote's like 30 minutes away, and you might survive, but you might not. So, there you go. Sounds a bit like a train ride to Ballarat with oh, yes. the board. So uh, we pick up after title sequence, which I just wrote this as a quick note. This particular episode was all women. Uh, all women did the screenplay. Yep. All women were producers. And there was a female director. I noticed that too. And I was about to point it out. 
but we pick up with Miss Fisher and Dot standing in line for train tickets, and she's shopping for a car. And we see the girl who did the stabbing, stabby girl, kind of lurking in the background. But Bert and Sess drop off the luggage for them, and Miss Fisher is like, uh, hey, well, stick around and help unload the furniture because my new house will be ready. And I left you a little gift there. So uh, another continuity error. Oh. Um, she has like four cases, mm-hmm. and the porter picks up all of them but one. <laughs> And then they cut to another scene, but he hadn't picked it up. <laughs> so Fuck that bag. No one needs that bag. I thought it was going to be a plot point later. That's why I noticed that it wasn't picked up. Oh yeah. I thought that when you know the the um, fake the fake street irregular was going to pick it up. This was a funny episode for me because I th- I, I figured out just I figured out the parallels to. Sherlock Holmes in this like obviously Miss Fisher is Sherlock and you've got Dot as Watson mm-hmm. and then you've got um, Jack as the inspector as the strong well I thought this was a really fun little scene too because it also had that like Agatha Christie trope of we got to meet all of the characters kind of uh, like visually at least we didn't learn their names or anything like that at the train station so we saw yeah and also two... it being on a train you know on the Orient Express like this is one of the more highly rated episodes on IMDb and I think it's because it does have it's a lot all of the tropes all, all of the tropes it's a trope chili um but we meet uh two uh university men in their purple striped jackets ah um, this is classic and you know it's still dumb Nathan had a striped jacket to St. Andrews he had one at Harrow the, the rowing boys had one at Cambridge, and I know they had, because I had to pretend to be the coxswain for diversity voters. <laughs> when you're one of... When you're one of... The diversity coxswain! When we, you're one of 11 people... 11... Oh, oh my god. Sorry, I didn't mean sorry. to make you die. But it's true. When you're one of 11 minorities matriculating in one year, 11. 11. That's not counting the international students. I was counted as a home student. So when you're one of 11 home students matriculating that year, you can put everywhere. Those coxswain. More importantly, did you get to put it on your CV? Um, so, no. Because you have photographic evidence. Yeah, I do have photographic evidence, but I'm not a liar. I'm not. Um, right. I'm not Aunt Becky, so um, I did not say that I coxswain at Cambridge. I don't really care about school. Also, because Cambridge is one of the best rowing teams in the world. So, That's fair. Yeah, people would probably like try to actually get you to cox on some rows, and you'd be, have to just like invent a fear of water. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, That'd be a lie that would spiral out of control very quickly. The Sabrina sitcom. So, yes, those striped jackets still exist. And they're striped depending on what college you're in. Oh. There you go. Well, today I learned on Wine and Murder Night. Uh, we also get to meet, though, a... Uh, annoying young boy named Eddie and his dad running after him. And we learn that uh, Miss Fisher never wanted children. Uh, amen. 
<laughs> do you want children? Yeah, I do, actually. I'm... I want to adopt one. I'm leaning very heavily towards adoption because I'm going to be 35 this year. And I... This is still something I'm... I, I, I need to get back in therapy. Because I would really like to talk this out with somebody who is a professional. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, um... Yeah, it was maybe spit at my mind. <laughs> I would kind of... I'm a little worried about, like, adopting an older child, because I think that would be honestly best for me, because I have a little bit of a complex about babies and pregnancy and things like that. But I also am, like, I'm still very single, and, like, do I want to be a single parent? And, like, it's a whole thing. But, yes, I very much want children... Um, I know my mom wants me to have children. I wouldn't mind adopting, like, a six-month-old. I actually don't have complexes about babies. I hate teenagers because <laughs> I teach them. I mean, like, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I know that they're going to be a teenager, but if I train them up in revolutionary ways, I'll have a fine teenager. Like, like if I get a baby... Your teenager will be the reddest of raggers. <laughs> exactly. So, like, if I have a baby, I can train them up in the way they should go. And so, that was biblical, by the way. How awesome. Um, I will train well, them up in the way Speaking of go. red raggers, uh, Bert and Seth drop by uh, Miss Fisher's new abode. And Bert has some reservations accepting the beautiful new car that Miss Fisher has left there for them. Oh, he says, when he says, we, we got away from the docks to stop licking boots, and Cecil mm -hmm. says, uh, but Miss Fisher's boots are very different. No! They're still fucking boots! She's still a fucking capitalist! In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. She, I mean, I know her money came from inheritance, but, but, that inheritance probably came from, um, exploitation. So she's still part of the bourgeois. She's definitely part of the bourgeois. Theology. Oh, she's super bougie. But, like, for fuck's sake, Cecil. <laughs> like, well, that's what I'm saying. Bert's the one who's really committed to the cause. This is what I was trying to say last time. Bert oh, is a communist. Yeah. Seth is a communist because his best friend's a communist. I mean, that's probably <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> 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 you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> like, not that you're probably more of a communist than Cecil, but I am definitely, definitely. You're definitely the bird. You're definitely the bird. Don't oh. get me wrong. But we also get our first chance to meet Mr. Butler, who is the new, obviously, Butler. Uh. Um, and he, uh, he has a very different idea of his employer. Than, yeah, uh, I know. I was like, "Ooh, friend." <laughs> He's great. I think uh, I, I I love. I, love I do player. like Bert, and I like him. So we're supposed to like him because spoilers. He's a veteran, and I'm like, "Fuck me!" I like him, and then we have to add some imperialist colonialist bullshit. Like, oh, he's a soldier, so he has to be like. And I'm like, God, fucking damn it! I don't think that's what. That's not why I like him. I, I like him because he's just unflappable. Yeah, I understand. He's unflappable. Um, but that's a good. That's a good point. We go right back. To, this was a nice episode, I think, to recap because we go. It's a little less 
everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It goes in a straight line, basically. It does. Um, and because it takes place mostly on a train, we only have really one set. So Hence in the dining a car. Line. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Touche. <laughs> in the dining car, Eddie is starting to annoy uh, the old woman um, who we saw. Uh, with the university boys, um, the mom of one of the women, or mom of a young lady. And the dad comes to fetch him because obviously he does. And it turns out they know each other and have some lingering animosity. Matron Henderson. I I looked up all of these and all of them are purely Australian actors. And Mm -hmm. like, they've all done Australian shit. And I was like, but well, they didn't even show up in the few Australian shows that I have watched, which mm. means they are a niche. My Melbourne family was very middle class, which meant I lo- watched a lot of So You Think You Can Dance Australia. Mm-hmm. You, so You Want to Be a Millionaire Australia. Um, and Neighbors. So many episodes of Neighbors. And so, like. I did watch Australia's Next Top Model when that was a thing. Yeah, well, you know, I also watched Australians combine with me. Um, they watched a <laughs> fuck ton of television, and I, the reason I learned to surf was because I'm not a television watcher, so I wanted to get out of the house. She says, as she does her podcasts about watching television. <laughs> I know, it's the worst. This is literally the only television I watch. I watch a lot of communist YouTubers. Um, it's called, by the way, communist YouTube is called BreadTube. Anyway, night falls and Dot and Miss Fisher fall into a sleep, which good on them. I can't sleep on anything. That's the worst part of travel for me. I, I can sleep on trains. I can't sleep anywhere else. The reason I can sleep on trains is because I trust trains. I can't even sleep on planes. Which I bought a, a premium economy seat mm-hmm. for my trip to Sweden, and it has a footrest, so I might be able to. But um, all right, well, I'll cross my fingers for you. I know, right? Well, Miss Fisher is eventually roused from her slumber because she feels the train stop and then start again. And as she wakes up, she smells something very strange. So she grabs her gun and goes <laughs> to investigate. Her 38 revolver. <laughs> and as she reaches the matron and Eunice's quarters, she can't get Eunice to rouse, and so she shoots the lock off. And Eunice has been chloroformed, and the matron is missing. So they pull the emergency stop, and the Ballarat police come out to investigate. Or Whoever the local ones are. I, I assume it's the Ballarat police. Yes, yeah, the Ballarat. It would probably... Oh, whatever. They stopped in the region. Um, yeah. It's probably Ballarat's jurisdiction. Yeah. But she offers her services to the local sergeant and gets dismissed pretty quickly. So she does her best to, like, name drop Inspector Jack Robinson. Send by telegram. <laughs> the telegram comes back. Fuck off! <laughs> Basically, uh, but the telegram comes in the form of one Constable Hugh Collins, 
who has been sent out by the Melbourne police to help with the investigation. And he uh, literally bumps into Dot in the hallway. And it's super awkward and cute! Oh yeah, because she's partially dressed. She's in a dressing gown. It's not. Yeah. It's super awkward because she's like, oh my god, I'm almost naked. No, darling, you've got a dressing gown and a nightgown under I don't put anything under my dressing gown, so it would be super awkward. But, um, you know. I know. But Dot's so cute. She's so modest. She really is. Hugh has a message from Jack, and he basically boils down to, like, keep my name out of your mouth. (laughs) I mean, yeah, which, um, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, regardless, Miss Friny Fisher is not good with confined spaces. So she goes and finds Hugh and the local police force playing a game and kind of talks to Hugh a little bit about the case. And uh, she tells him that she knows for a fact that Mrs. Henderson was on the train at the station in some Australian town, um, but doesn't know what happened after that. And asks if there were any other stops and he was like no it was an express train and she's like no it definitely stopped but i felt it stop and he was like oh well there is this one water stop here yeah. but it's like five minutes long yep so they surmise obviously that this is probably when something went down so outside on the track miss fisher leads the search and they find drag marks leading up to the water tower and miss fisher who has Scaled Kilimanjaro. (laughs) (laughs) But the first hiker's hut. Determines that she is going to go up, but the ladder breaks underneath her and she looks up and they see Mrs. Henderson hanging. Like when I had pneumonia, that just made me ill. But seeing it the second time was awful. It's really like. It's quite gruesome. It's pretty gruesome, and like the makeup and the like blue. It was it was very good, and the and the bulging eyes. It was all very good. Like it was all very well done. Well, of course, because it is a murder, Jack shows up um, and immediately orders Miss Fisher back to her compartment. So the police in the police in the nineteen twenties in Australia, just like the police, it's the same as the police force in. So you have in in. England, you have county police, and then you have city police. And um, here, it's territories. So he would be the CI, the, basically the detective inspector, the DI, for the entire territory. Which, by the way, would be the size of fucking England. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he has a lot And the to population do. of Montana. <laughs> I know, right? Quite... Um, the, the city of Ballarat is the third largest city inland in Australia, which is wild. Um, it has about 100,000, which is less than the population of my city that I live in right now. And I think my city is small. So, um, um, so what we said about America and the Upside Down, there are yeah. few of people in Australia, but they're concentrated. Like, they're really mm-hmm. close quarters. So... Because no one wants to live in the desert. That's true. No one can live in the desert. There's literally no way you can live in the desert. It is a desert. Here, we've yeah. tried to tame the desert. Yeah, fairly. I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of people who live in, like... Desert, desert. Yeah. Desert, desert. 
Yeah, so, so, like, Australia has, it's really, like, close-ish, mm-hmm. but, like, um, like a friend of mine said, if you drive 40 miles outside of Australia, you're probably still on the same farm. <laughs> I know we, I know we talked about it a teeny tiny bit last time because there was a, a five Australian actor, but, um, Wanted... Well, being a not particularly good show is a fun show. And if you do want to see some Australian vistas, it's a well shot show. It and is. It has a lot of that. That's quite true. Um, I, Australia is beautiful, just like America is beautiful. A friend of mine asked me what I would say about America since I, I tend to be quite negative about it. And I said that our national park system is bar none like. Uh, Quinnon. It's the, the top of the top. And I really appreciate that. Fuck Donald Trump trying to destroy it. Yeah, fuck him so hard. He has tried to destroy it, but like, the mm-hmm. ne- and he has destroyed it. Um, but, um, but the national park system is something that keeps, keeps the world alive. Like, keeps America alive. And it's so beautiful. And like, we have national parks in every state. And Australia is, Perfectly, like, it's very well preserved why people tend to ruin it, like, by climbing Uluru's mm. Rock, for example. But, like, but Australia has the same kind of system of protecting its wilderness because it, it is there and it is, um, and if you listen to Travis Fimmel, for example, Chris Hemsworth is a city boy, Travis Fimmel is a country boy. If you listen to Travis Fimmel talk about the countryside, you get, you get infected by that sense of vastness and beauty and wildness. And you can see why he wants to go back to it. So for me, Australia and America both have that strange, like, independent, like, streak where, you know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and it's this and that and another. And it tends towards racism. But their country demands it. Your country demands it. Uh America demands it. Um, Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, what's that joke is that everything in Australia is trying to kill you? Yeah, I mean, and that's quite true. <laughs> so <laughs> the, I once had a dinner plate spider just commandeer one of my surfboards. No, nope, so, nope, nope. And so drinker I was like, okay, that's boy. yours. That's yours. We're we're fine now. We're good. We all like we're good. Uh, well, Miss Fisher, even though she has been summarily dismissed notes that uh, Mrs. Henderson has been stripped of her jewelry. And lists her jewels. So she has a very good eye, um, which is a Sherlockian thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about the connection to Sherlock until you pointed out, but now that I'm thinking about it, of course. Uh Uh-huh. Well, because I was, I don't remember why I was thinking about this, but I was thinking about it because I was like, I was thinking about if you were an actor and you were in a Sherlock remake, what role would you want the most? Would you want Moriarty, Sherlock, Watson, Lestrade? Like, what would you want to play? Oh, me? Mm-hmm. If you were an actor, famous actor, you could play any of the four. Moriarty. Right? That's the fun one. Because, Why because would you want to be Sherlock or Watson? I would want to be the Bond villain as well, because it's exactly opposite of who I am. Obviously, you've gotten to know our set-up personality. I'm obviously a Watson. Like, because <laughs> you're a Hufflepuff. 
I'm a Slytherin. I've always been a Slytherin. I've come to accept the fact that I'm a Slytherin. But I'm also the fucking nicest Slytherin in the history of the world. Listen, there is no friendship like a Huffleren friendship. That is very true. Because at some point we will take over the world. Because we're both about loyalty. And Mm -hmm. and I'm a loyal communist. Like I am died in the wool card carrying. Literally card carrying. (laughs) Communist. Recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. And that is loyalty to humans. And, like, that is that is seeing a human as a human and knowing that they need as much safety and protection as I'm afforded living where I am. Um, obviously, I have some differences because I'm a woman and I'm a minority, but I still live in a Western society, and being in that Western society has afforded me some things that it wouldn't afford someone from the global south. So, like, I'm a weird Southern because I'm a communist. But you have plenty of ambition. You've talked about wanting to be a politician. Yeah. And, so, yeah. I mean, you you got... It's the ambition and the loyalty. Yeah, I have Slytherin traits, but I'm not fucking evil. Like, I'm not a fascist. <laughs> So, um, J.K. Rowling, you need to write less one-dimensional characters. Yeah, and cheers to that. So, you would want to be more reality as well. It's fun. It's fun to be right? a villain. As an act, if you were talking about as an actor, that's the one you really sink your teeth as into. As a person, I'm probably more struck. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could totally see that. Like, because I'm very, um, I'm not rules-oriented. I am, but maybe not in the way people think, but, like, I'm very straightforward, I'm very dry, I'm very, like, and I come to my own conclusions slower than other people do. I do think about things a lot, and I'm not, like, maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of a mix between Sherlock and Lestrade, because I'm very observant, and I remember things that people don't, and I, like, and I'm like, no, I said this on Tuesday, December the 12th, and this is how I said it, so I am kind of Sherlockian in that way, but, like, I don't if the four it. houses, if the four houses were Sherlock, Moriarty, Lestrade, and Watson, mm-hmm. I feel like you sort Lestrade. Yeah, I would probably sort Lestrade. But Lestrade is what is Lestrade like as a as a Hobbles? Because see, Lestrade is a Gryffindor, and I hate Gryffindors. <laughs> I don't know if Lestrade's a Gryffindor. I feel like Lestrade might be a Hufflepuff. He might. Well, Lestrade is played by Rupert Graves, is definitely a Hufflepuff, but Lestrade has played in, as written by Arthur Conan Doyle, I mean. No, wait, no, 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 we can't, we can't, okay, that's in, it's irrespective of our conversation. <laughs> we have created four new houses. <laughs> I'm probably, Lestrade. okay. Sort yourself, listeners, sort yourself. Are you a Sherlock, a Moriarty, a Lestrade? Or a Watson. I'm a Watson. I know I'm a Watson. I'm happy. I really like being Watsons. I'm very happy when my friends succeed. And also, please don't die of heroin overdoses. Jack sits down to interview Eunice. Uh, And basically, he's like, does your mother have any enemies? And she's like, well, everyone knows she was difficult. But in another compartment fuck i'm kind of drunk um i'm getting another compartment. this wine has a lot of like 
<laughs> Same. I have so much to talk about this wine. <laughs> Good. Uh, Miss, in another compartment, Mr. Cotton helps Miss Fisher with her windows, and she finds out that the only reason Mr. Cotton is on this flight, uh, flight train, <laughs> um, and Mr. Cotton's the dad, uh, is that he had free tickets to the Ballarat show, which he just calls it the Ballarat show. He does mention it's agricultural, so I assumed it was kind of a farm show. Yeah, it was a, like a farm. Once again, it's. I think I feel like it was a farm flower show. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I went to see the um, exotic orchids. Um, orchids and sunflowers are my favorite flowers. You can't have a fucking cozy mystery without a flower, flower show, though. Of course, of course. It's like I love flower. I actually love flower shows. There are quite a few that happen here in Augusta, but I never go to them because um, white people. Yeah. Well, so f- funny uh, coincidence, my mom and uh, her... Who is a white person? Yeah, oh, yeah okay, fair. <laughs> not, not... <laughs> funny coincidence, they birthed me. I'm The so whitest sorry. person. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> this wine is really so funny coincidence my mom and her fiance are actually going to scotland literally the day i get home oh we may pass each other that was a whole set of plans well it wasn't intentional um my flights were based around other people's schedules and also cheap and they are going speaking of to the fucking chelsea flower show first and then they're gonna go up to scotland and tour around a bit i can't tell you how many times i've been to the chelsea flower show i feel like well they have been zero times and are very excited no spoilers sabrina no no no, but it's different every year there's a theme every year so i can't spoil um but um and once again i was in the diversity brochure the next year <laughs> I was in the brochure. I, not the diversity brochure, but I was in the brochure the next year. I went in 2009, and in the 2010 one, Nathan sent me a photo, and he was like, Look, you showed up in the brochure. <laughs> well, back to the topic at hand, I guess. I guess, whatever. Whatever. Good luck. Here. I Good luck. Last time, I was like, Sabrina, we cannot do talk for an hour and 45 minutes again. And this time, we were absolutely going to talk for an hour and 45 fucking minutes. Maybe two. We talked for like an hour and 20 the last time. Maybe we did good. Last... We did real good. No, I said that. And then we did real good. But you did not say at the beginning, hey, we got to not did. talk for Shit. It's all my fault. It did enjoy. Well, Mrs. Fisher. Also, I couldn't, drink Miss... my, I couldn't drink my wine last time. So it took yeah, less that's... Time. That I'm not gonna. That is what happens. We get drunk and then we go do things. Well, I have a lot of memories. <laughs> Good. You are not in your dotage. Which <laughs> Eunice says Mrs. Henderson was not in her dotage either. I actually, I kind of love that term. Me too. Uh, she we she had use only it. retired a few years ago. 1923, we should bring it back. It is going to be 2020 next year, so. Fuck yes. Well, that's not good news because then World War II, which is already also happening because back Why are we? Rise. So. Yeah, okay, really. I'm just going to throw this out here. Crazy thought. Why don't we bring the slang back and not the war? Well, guess what? It's going to be both. 
Okay, but what if it wasn't? What if we Because didn't? Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. And I'm going to vote for oh him my. if I have to. But we're going right. to lose. But I'm going to be... Shh, no, we're going to put good thoughts in the universe? <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, what did your fucking wine say? Um, buenos. <laughs> uh, bueno ando. Bueno ando. Okay. What the fuck I like? Bueno ando only. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck, man. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to be in another country, possibly. I'm going to meet a hot Scottish dude, or even a passably looking Scottish dude with a uh, really good sense of humor, and then I'm not going to be in the country either. Scotland is still in the UK, so Brexit is going to fuck you up. Better meet an Irish dude from the Republic I'm with of... Fucking, I, I love, I like Ireland a lot. Also, I'm fairly confident Scotland will vote for, to leave. I'm I have fairly confident if that actually, if Brexit happens, yeah. it, will it narrowly be. failed last time, I think it'll happen. I have no fucking clue what I was trying to say about Germany and being German. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What we do know matters. We learned that Mrs. Henderson only retired a few years ago. We learned that Mr. Cotton blames mrs henderson for the death of his wife and he is right to like yeah dude that was some shit like a woman knows her body mm-hmm. like and this is this is one of those things that we talk about, like what's happening now did you see i just i mean to kind of fingers crossed not joe biden did you see elizabeth warren's latest policy proposal about no, uh it's really great. It's um, it's about rewarding hospitals that reduce, oh yeah, specifically black women's mortality rates during childbirth, and then punishing ones that don't. It's a Kamala Harris proposal. No, that's an Elizabeth Warren one. That's specifically uh, Elizabeth Warren. I hundred okay, percent okay. guarantee you. Okay. Good. Um. Um. But I'm no, like, I was like, I have fuck yeah, get it. Like that's I'm, awesome. I'm all about it. And um. I had to like correct somebody. Actually, this this past weekend on Saturday, on Saturday I had a I had a correct someone. I said oh, we have the highest uh, maternal mortality rate in less like Western society in the developed. Society. Yeah, and it's quite true. I didn't. It's quite I didn't, true. I didn't mention the minority bit because I didn't want to bring the whole fucking room down. But like, right. I mean. But, that's actually the the number one reason I do not want to have children in this country. Like, like when people ask me, I'm like, I don't want to die. Because as a woman of color, I would die. Serena Williams almost fucking died in childhood. Right? And part of the whole thing is, like, Elizabeth, like, references that. Like, if Serena Williams, like, if Serena Williams, who is one of the most well-known people in the world, cannot get listened to by her doctors, then there is some, like, clearly... That there is a fundamental problem. Clearly, I cannot have children in this country. That's what that told me. Like, when Serena Williams came out with her Harry, and she's married to a white man. And she's like one of the richest athletes in the world. Like, she herself is a millionaire, he's a billionaire. Like, fuck it. Like, so, like, if she can't get proper maternal uh, natal care, neonatal care, I never could. It's funny. This is actually the second episode of Miss Fisher that brings up reproduction. Good. No, I know. It's just, it's just an interesting theme. And I wonder if it's because is it such a female run show? 
Australia has a huge problem with this as well. So, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so... So, she and Jack kind of chat a little and she mentions it oh odd. okay here's here how oh my god here's how it gets even more i'm sorry here's how it Go gets for it. even more america in the down under that's so funny it's territorial mm-hmm. so the which means states america right. australian territories are american Mm-hmm. So the legal president of concerning the legality of abortion was set on Australia by in 1969. So around the same time. So even yeah. then, but it's state by state. Which is very similar. It's so similar. And a number of, let's see, federal politicians have expressed anti-abortion views including Senator Ron Boswell who is... Uh, oh, and Tony fucking Abbott, who was the goddamn prime minister. Yeah. So, it is literally the exact same. I don't... When I tell my students to go to Australia for study abroad programs, I'm not I'm not saying that because I want them to go to as far away as possible. I'm saying that because England <laughs> is so different. Well, some of them. But... Yeah, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> No, 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 no. Actually, I love all my students, but, um... I know, we talked about that last episode, how cute they are. Literally, England is so different from America that they would get very... The culture shock would be too bad. But Australia would just ease them in, and they wouldn't feel out of place. Mm -hmm. And they have a large Asian population in Australia. They have a large black population in Australia. Um, obviously they have an enormous fucking white population show, but like mm-hmm. they would not feel out of place political ideas are similar the, even the fucking healthcare is called Medicaid <laughs> it is nationalized don't get me wrong it's, it's so similar like the drinking culture is similar like the university no, culture is I similar mean, okay don't get me wrong I agree in a large part. So mm-hmm. I have a uh, friend friend with benefit who just returned from Australia. Wait, 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 wait. How is he affecting your, your seeing with the other dude? Not at all. Okay. At all. Not zero, zero percent. Uh, <laughs> but he, like, I mean, yes. Okay. We drink in America. We could never hope to match drinking of the other, of Australia or Britain. Never. But here's the thing, alcoholism is concentrated because it's a smaller population. If you actually, like, put all the drinking issues that America has into, say, just the size of Texas. I lived in the hardest drinking city in Texas, and I guarantee you it does not drink as hard as Sydney. I don't know, actually. It would probably, they probably do pretty well. That's what I mean. I guarantee you. I guarantee you it does not. I I don't mean that it's exactly the same. I'm just saying that you feel more comfortable. Like, an American oh, would feel yeah, more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I agree. I agree with every other point you have made. I agree with every other point you have made. I think, and yes, the drinking culture is 
Simple. Going out to bars and like going to happy hours and doing that kind of thing is a culture in Australia, but they go so much harder. Because they pre-drink and they don't have to drive. Like the thing... Yeah, that's the thing. When you don't have to... When public transportation is cheap and you don't have to drive, pre-drinking and then going out is so much more prevalent. And the... The restrictions and the consequences of drink driving are so much harsher that people do tend to use taxis and public transportation more. If there was, a, that's what I'm saying. I feel like if they had similar conditions in America, the drinking would be similar. And I feel like drinking is similar, but it's spread out and the drink driving is less of an, it's less seen as an issue. Drink driving only gets points on your license, and it only it's only after a very like three or four times of getting caught drink driving that your license is taken away. I know this from personal experience, not from me. Like this is literally. I, mean, I also know this from personal experience because I know several people who have drank and drive. All right, I'm gonna make us move on again. There's a big. Big character moment, character growth moment here. I don't want us to skip over it. Jack lets Phryne inspect the scene of the crime. I actually liked him in this episode. He was so good. So this scene in particular stood out to me because the framing of it was so perfect. So this whole scene, they basically, they just find the evidence that um, Mrs. Henderson was dragged out the window, but the scene of the, like the whole scene is set so that Phryne is on the right and Jack is on the left. And yes, I am doing the L with my fingers. And it looks (laughs) like that um, optical illusion of like the two faces or a vase and they just keep getting closer and closer as they talk. And then eventually Hugh comes in to say something to Jack, but he's in the middle of the two. And so it's just framed so perfectly to build that tension between the two of them. The like spark of attraction. It, but then you find out later that he's married. Not this episode, but yes. Oh no, you don't. Because he says, we haven't had the luck. When he asked, when she asked, yeah, question. but you don't know. You don't know if he's still married <laughs> or like, right? Because divorce uh, wasn't happening, right? So, I mean, but just as a, as a scene itself, number one, okay. Jack starts trusting Friday, and number two, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. Put my little critical thinking cap, on. not critical, critical media cap on. Sorry, I don't really normally, like, gush about... I mean, I have no background whatsoever in film or movies or TV or set design or anything like that. But, like, God, when it's good, it's so good. The only... Like, I went to a fine art school and my my major was drama. So Mm -hmm. I do have a little bit of, like, staging. But this is high school. This is like 14, 18. Now. <laughs> you have a, a background in high school staging? <laughs> yes, but it was the number one school in the state of Georgia. So, we actually. We've already talked about your time at Fame, the Academy. No, I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, the police have picked up the stabby girl on the tracks. And it's important because 
She has Mrs. Henderson's diamonds in her pocket. But none of her other jewels. Uh, no, I thought it was like all the jewels. No, I don't know. It's it was not important. So here's another continuity error. She lists Ooh. all these fucking jewels and then they only find the diamonds. Where is that a continuity error or is it a clue? It could be a clue. Because they talk about it at the end. They how do. all the diamonds... How she just found the diamonds strewn along the tracks. Yeah. And like... It was an accident that they fell. Yeah. So, okay. So it's a clue. It's a clue. And also, I mean, fair enough. I did not pick that up until just now because I thought she had all the jewels. No, she just said the diamonds. I think it's a clue. I think it's intended. very cool script writing. (laughs) Which will forgive them because the rest of it is so good. So here's the thing about continuity errors. Since you're filming out of the water. This is, this is the thing that's different from theater and television. You're filming out of order and movie. The thing about continuity editing is that there's different continuity editors. So if your continuity editor... How can you call it a continuity editor then? Literally, you have disrupted the continuity. Exactly. So if your continuity editor doesn't write good notes, you're going to have continuity errors. So here's the thing. That's a bad... It's a, probably just a bad continuity. Fine. Whatever. I choose to believe it's also, in the all-female screenwriters. Okay. It could also be a clue. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. The future is female screenwriters. Uh, uh, no. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> so no, I, I don't actually like that hashtag at all. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Which is why I was making fun of it. No. 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 The future is fucking socialism. The future is intersectionality. Woo! I literally just watched a video today about the difference between neoliberal identity politics and intersect and socialist intersectionality, and I got super mad, <laughs> real mad. But my my problem my problem these days is that people people mostly supporters of Bernie Sanders. Liberals. Apply. Liberals. It's okay to say liberal. I'm a leftist, which is... No, I, I, I specifically mean the supporters of Bernie Sanders. Um, we call them brochialists. <laughs> they like to apply the term neoliberal to anything they don't like. Well, fuck them. They are neoliberal. And the reason they're neoliberal is because they support shit like still going to war. Fair enough. I And yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, man... 35-year-old me versus 20-year-old me, very different. Which is funny, because I didn't stop becoming a socialist until Cambridge. (laughs) Well, and you're also a little younger than me, so, like, also, like, you at, what, 18 is is me at 20. Also, but here's the thing. I was was raised in a socialist, neoliberal society. Germany is a capitalist society, but has a stronger socialist base because they're like, capitalism has fucked us up. Yeah, and I was not. I was not. It took me a little bit longer. So, you know, that's the thing. It Obviously, America fucks you up. America fucks you up. Even as a Muslim, when September 11th happened, my journal entry says, it is justice, not revenge, that we are seeking. That's a fucking line. I'm a fucking Muslim. I'm a fucking Muslim and I got spat on. Okay, here's my thing. is like, 
I don't actually really want Joe Biden to run for president. I really don't. I think that's pretty obvious from our political views that we have expressed. <laughs> if you but don't know. I saw recently a Twitter meme about him like, well, he supported the Iraq war. I'm like, who the fuck didn't? I didn't. Who the f- I didn't support the yes. Iraq war. I agree that like, obviously it was a bad idea. And if I had been not 16, I might have thought about was, it a little bit harder. Wait, you were like, older. You were older. I was a junior in high school. I was never succeeding in high school. No, like, t- 9-11 happened my junior year. No, I'm talking about Iraq. Well, Iraq happened literally the next year. 2003. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It happened in 2003. Here's the reason I remember. It's because... I was 18. So fucking... Like, the point is... it. I don't remember a single politician who spoke out against the Iraq war. I was like, what was weird was I was against the Iraq war and this Indian kid got so mad at me. And then later, like people thought that he and I should get together. It was only because we were the brown kids. But like, I just don't, I just don't appreciate the revisionism. Like, yes, the Iraq war was a bad idea and it shouldn't have happened. And I now, now I recognize like my, impulses were incorrect and bad and i wouldn't have them again i understand that's totally fine but also they were abolitionists during the time of slavery so yeah totally like, i'm not saying that, and i'm not were, saying that but was, i am also saying that like saying he was uh, name another politician in power from then that opposed the iraq there war was one. that was running for president Oh, that was running for president. That's not one, but there were people. That but did. like, there were there were few. There were very, very few. There was one. That's the point. Right. That's my point. There were. Like, I was against the Iraq War because I understood the politics in Iraq, and that's hard to do if you're not Muslim. There were yeah, yeah exactly. There were five and, Muslim um, sects in Iraq that had basically been drawn in by World War One, and. I had already been woke as a Muslim, not as a socialist. Not really as a socialist, but, like, as a Muslim. So I was already woke. Mm-hmm. So it's really strange that minorities are like, don't do this. And then white people, it takes, like, an additional 10 years to do. And I'm not I mean, saying I that. It's strange. It's just the effect of colonialism. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that because you're a bad white. I'm no, I'm no, saying I, that it's. it's I'm just, not taking it that way at all. Good. I and I'm just, I'm just one of those things. It's just so weird. I hang out with almost exclusively white people, um, because that's just how my life has turned out. And but like, I have to be their woke friend, and it sucks. It sucks when you have to remind people that that's not the universal way of looking at things, but. You can tell the difference between this is what propaganda has told you, and I am perpetuating the propaganda. You obviously well, believe and I've also it. learned some shit about like how that machine worked mm-hmm. in the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. That is, I like marketing. I work in marketing. You I do work in marketing, company. which is so funny that I hate marketing. I work for a really good company, and we don't. I like. My boss and I are very about not doing duplicitous shit. And, like, we both, uh, we both are very about, like, putting the best message out there, the true message. Like, we, we believe in our product, therefore our marketing believes you in our talk product. About, you talk about how you don't, like, connect hashtags if it doesn't have anything to do with your product, which is good, but you still sell a product. Well, we, I mean, again, we do live in America. 
So, well, you live at the no, moment. No, no. It's not. It's not America. It's a capitalist society, and you live. In we a live in a capitalist society. America is the chief of capitalism. Like, and... I'm gonna have to. Sh- I'm just gonna have to sh- send you RedTube videos to watch. <laughs> okay, sorry to j- totally lost my train of thought because I'm drunk. But Iraq War. So one of the the things that happened during the Iraq war that never happened during any other war that America has fought that has shaped the narrative around the Iraq war and shaped the narrative specifically during the Iraq war around the Iraq war is the reporter embed program Mm -hmm. in that they sent reporters out with the troops. And so this was a really interesting thing. Fact I learned from a, book by Robert Cialdini, who is kind of a pop psychologist guy. Sure, sure, sure. He, but he actually like quotes the science behind it. So I believe in science and I believe in psychology and psycho- the science of psychology. And um, what happened with the reporter in bed program is that be- the military, the Pentagon bet that if they sent the reporters, they gave reporters access to military units that were on the ground at the time, they would get more stories about the military units themselves and the people in the military units themselves versus, excuse me, I'm drunk, I'm burping, uh, versus military, the politics of the military. Well, of course. And that's exactly what happened. And that shaped the entire narrative of the Iraq war while it was happening. But that's not super surprising because after there was a surge of recruitment after 9-11. People wanted to protect mm-hmm. their country. So in order to like keep that surge going, they did this embed program to like show you how the Amer- America was protected, you know, America was being protected by its boys, boys abroad. And they've done this every war. When it's a justified war, I don't know that any war is justified, but one could argue that World War Two is kind of justified. I think you can argue that World War Two. I will. I would. I could think you could definitely argue <laughs> that World War Two was was probably the last justified war. But well, World War Two helped stop a genocide. Yeah, I mean, very true. That that's important. And that's so. There are ten ways that wars are justified, and stopping a genocide is probably one of them. And um. It was the same thing. You tell hero- hero- heroic, 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 thank you, heroic stories heroic. Of, <laughs> about your soldiers, and a it helps recruit it, and b it oh, masks sorry. whatever fucking else they're doing, like mm-hmm. raping and um, you know, all the lice and all the bad shit. So you're basically like, no, I'm not kidding, like. Like, again, the reason I bring this up is, like, this was galaxy brain PR. Galaxy brain PR. Like, it makes me ashamed of my profession a little bit. Like, I like, I love marketing because I love psychology. PR only exists because of capitalism. Like. Fair. I mean, I guess. No, it's not, it's not a marketing thing. The reason socialism hasn't taken hold is because we're shit at marketing. Oh, because yeah. Oh, we yeah, 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 yeah. Don't yeah, believe for sure. We yeah, don't believe sure. in marketing as a as as a policy. So marketing, the thing marketing is going to be good at 
in a socialist society, maybe, not to sell anything, because that's literally the antithesis of a socialist society, is to say, hey, you know what? Socialist society's finally fucking whacked, and here's why. <laughs> the dream. It's not the dream. It's not the dream. <laughs> we need to stop saying it's a dream, and we need to start working towards it, because then the people who say, oh, that's such a dream, we can say, okay, so you think that this is better? And we can actually, like, confront them where they are, and have them think, oh, this is actually pretty shit. Let me listen to you a little bit harder. I'm going to be positive and think that's going to happen, but we need to stop saying it's a dream. It's the only, I mean, it's the only angle possible. The only angle possible is equality for all people on this earth and the environment not dying. Like, that's, those are the only two possibilities. Those are the only two angles. If not, we are all doomed. And we need to stop, like, suffering fools. We need to look them straight in the eye and say, oh, so you think this is sustainable? And let them stutter. We need to embarrass them. Because when we embarrass them, they'll finally fucking stop and think. But we don't. Yeah, we just because they do. came from the same white society that I am, which is <laughs> the worst thing impossible that could happen to you. And you know I'm super white because I just said possible. The worst thing possible that could happen to you is being embarrassed in front of people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm half white. And yeah, I've, but I come from a very Midwestern white society. Yeah, and I've tried my I've, whole life to be accepted by white people. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm so fucking tired of it. And so, it's one of those things. We, we have to continue. We, we will soldier on, and we fucking have a socialist-ass podcast about it. I hope, and I, know. Mysteries. I hope more people listen to me and go, oh, her accent's really sexy. Let me listen to her. <laughs> fucking marketing, man. You don't even know it. Lightning around some plot real quick. Okay. Sabrina. Uh, so. Miss Fisher interviews the stowaway. She learns her name is Jane. She has convinced her to come home with her in her new car. She, Eunice, and Dot all head out. And she's wearing a fabulous driving outfit. It's so Agatha Christie. I'm sorry, this whole episode was so Agatha Christie because it's so great. Agatha Christie was obsessed with cars as well. I'm obsessed with cars, which is probably bad. Like I shouldn't be. Lightning like, round, Sabrina. Sorry. Lightning round. I don't. I don't. <laughs> sorry, uh, Mr. Butler doesn't bat an eyelash when they arrive. He's so great. That is literally a note. Um, <laughs> I look. I like Butler. It's not that I like Butler. It's it's not that I don't like Butler. It's that that Right, totes. Uh, Miss Fisher is wearing a crushed velvet top. It's amazing. Uh, Eunice's fiancé and cousin, one of the university boys, drops by. He looks like somebody you recognize from something, but he isn't unless you watch Outlander. Oh yeah, he's Lord Henry something. He's something from Outlander. I don't watch Outlander. Uh, Alistair. He's so hot. I would totally kill him. I was like, I'd fuck him. I liked Lindsay better than Alistair. Lindsay... Over at Lindsay? Oh, yeah. I was a Lindsay girl. No, Bro. no, no. Alistair is the fiancé. Yes. Lindsay's the other guy. Yeah, I was a Lindsay girl. You're a Lindsay girl? I'm a Lindsay. I thought you would be an Alistair girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's another sorting house. <laughs> I'm a Lindsay girl. No, Lindsay's the lawyer. So there you go. Politics. No, I just... I don't like men that are too perfect-faced. 
I need them to have like a weird. He I need did. to be quirky. You in the you face. thought he was perfect. He wouldn't. He wouldn't no, 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 not Lindsay. Well Alistair. Alistair Arr. was too perfect. See, I was Lindsay. I'm so Lindsay too. I'm okay, super good. Lindsay. Okay, good. I was like, because Lindsay would not go over well in America. He's an Australian. Would Lindsay not go? I feel like Lindsay would be married very quickly. I don't know. Mm-mm. He's dark haired. And he's yeah, slim. but also... He's, he's also chill. slim. No, he's slim. So that's the problem. He's slim he's and he's charming. So I guess he's kind of Benedict Cumberbatch. No, he's got the same kind of charisma that Essie Davis does. I suppose. Like, the two of them on screen together was so hot. Oh, yeah. I, I'm into it. Yeah. He doesn't have an IMDb picture. If you look at a normal picture of him, he's not that attractive. He's got really long legs, though. Which Neither is Nathan Page. Well, uh, Nathan Page is different. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Lightning round. Lightning round, Sabrina. We also learn that Alistair is going to be a doctor. Lindsay is going to be a lawyer. Uh, he has a bandage on his hand from rowing. And, Which uh, is true. By the way, you you very quickly what I learned from my two day photography session of growing. <laughs> and we also learned that Mrs. Henderson thought Alistair was common. Mm-hmm. Which means he got a scholarship. Which he did in real life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading hey. him. David Barry is um the actor who played Alistair. That night, a woman in a fur coat insists on seeing Jane and calls herself her aunt. But Jane is terrified and refuses to go with her. This is the actress that I thought I knew. And sh- I fucking do. She was in Ned Kelly. With... Oh my god. She's an Australian actor. And here's the reason. I watch every movie with my beloved... Oh... My... My beloved, what the fuck is his name? Travis Fimmel? No. It's even worse. Rupert Graves? No. He's Australian. Um, blonde, curly, died of an overdose. There's a lot of blonde Australians. Who died of an overdose. Heath Ledger. Thank you. He, he died of an overdose. And I can't watch anything he's ever been in since. I have not watched anything he's been in since. I watched Ned Kelly because of Orlando Bloom. I actually on the DVD. I didn't watch it because of Keith Ledger. Wait, Orlando Bloom? Is in Ned Kelly. Oh, okay. Just checking. Low us. Um, uh, Midsummer. I think you mean Midsummer Murders <laughs> alum, Orlando <laughs> Kelly. Well, Jack comes to visit, and Jane tells him that she stowed away on the train, and someone came into the guard's van where she was stowed away at the stop and grabbed a bunch of rope. And she saw the jewels spilled all over the ground. And she wasn't the only stowaway. One of the university men was two. The really funny thing is that they were like, we kind of look together. We kind of look like women. So like, and I'm like, yeah, because all white people look the same. <laughs> I mean, it's true. And they're also like the same height, the same rowers build. Like, if you're looking at them from the back... Like, if you see them like, from behind with a striped jacket on, you're going to be like, okay. Lightning round. Lindsay has gambling debts. He does have gambling debts. He likes to flutter. Remember, we're picking up the 1920s. Uh, slang. Shit. 
He likes a flutter and is not good at it. And Alistair has failed his medical degree. Meanwhile. Because he's... Oh, this was... This fucking bothered me. Lower class implies not as intelligent. I mean, okay, yes. I agree. I see where this is bad. I think there is also a point where... I felt it almost implied that he kind of fucked off during his scholarship. Oh, yeah. Focus. Oh, I like, was, my first semester, I got an academic probation letter. So I know, I know how it is. I, I got to England and I was like, no one's watching me. <laughs> See, I got to college and my parents were like, you get out of within four years or we're not paying for your scholarships and that turned out to be three years see i got i got a full ride so my mother was like i'm not paying (laughs) Mm. (laughs) well meanwhile bert and Seth are on the jane case and they go to visit the boarding house in ballarat and bert recognizes Mr. Merton, the man we saw in the very beginning, mm-hmm. as the great hypno. Which, in the 1920s, all of this shit was really popular. Like, um, calling on the dead and hypnosis. And he calls himself a futurologist. Which, you know, is just someone that knows the future. This is one of the things I love about Miss Fisher so much, is that they in, they really go into this, like, in several different episodes. I have no idea if we'll be able to see any of them on this particular they podcast. They do embed but... true 1920s culture. So I appreciate it. All right, lightning round. Lightning round. There is no such thing. Not no Shh. Jack interviews Alistair. He says he was picked up for soliciting. Lindsay tells, we find a unit. Lindsay tells. I love that dress. That's like that spider web dress that she's wearing when she's sitting on the... I never... You know what I wore? You had a certain uniform when you had to go watch Rony. <laughs> I wore exactly what the uniform told me to wear. So, I don't know if you know this, but uh, obviously, American. But both my dad and my little sister rode crew, too. Nice. And so I went up to visit... Um, so you can tell me what a costume is. <laughs> I know what a coxswain is. I know fucking what a coxswain is. Actually, one of my good friends from my old job was a coxswain because she was like five nothing and like a figure skater. So she weighed nothing too. Well, uh, but my dad and my little sister rode. My little sister was actually stroke Okay. on her um, varsity four. Or no, she wasn't varsity. She she weighed, rode um, intramural. She mm-hmm. rolled intramural. But uh, one year we actually, we went up to... Um, uh, so there's an Oklahoma City Invitational every year, and they do it on the river that runs through Oklahoma City. And don't go to Oklahoma City if you can avoid it. Don't get me wrong, but I went to Tulsa lie, once. Don't. Uh, if you go to Oklahoma City, when I was there, I can't guarantee that it's still open. But when I was there, there was a really excellent Ecuadorian restaurant, and we went there for breakfast and patronized it because it was delicious. Um, but we went once for her invitational and like my dad was telling me all of the like 
actual intricacies of crew. And like, I was there in my like super cute outfit. I had these red shorts. I had fucking like bronzed loafer. I would look real cute. I looked real cute. But were they sparry? Were they sparry? They were not sparry, but this was not a sparry thing. They were Michael Kors. They were Michael fucking Kors. I was making a lot of money at the time. (laughs) All right, lightning round. I like how you keep saying that, as if that's going to happen. Listen, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. We are at two hours in. You will not hear this, dear listener, but we are at two hours in recording. Miss Fisher has another amazing dress. <laughs> Talks to Lindsay. I call it the purple, the purple wave dress because she's trying to ensnare. Oh, it's so god. Uh, and it has like all this. It's like it's, it's a purple it's silk got, like, dress with the. It's a purple silk dress, but like the cut on it is mm. so interesting. It's got like a top, like almost like a bandeau top, but then it like goes down, but it's not a bandeau top. See, this it's is one really of those dresses cute. that would work on a lot of bodies. Yeah, because it's loose. Dress. Because it's loose, and so it would be tight on. But fat it is people. still a drop waist. It's still a drop waist. Yeah, so you but did you this can... dress, but then hinged it up to an actual natural waist. Yeah, all not yeah. a waist at all. Just have it as a shift. It could work because it would. Okay. It could okay. work with your um, you know, boobs your and hips. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Lindsay has a flimsy alibi, and Miss Fisher says one of the best lines so far, which is, "I don't allow myself to be lustfully compromised." Huh? Oh, does she? Does she? <laughs> Bert. Gives Ruth, the girl from the house, uh, the the boarding house's Miss Fisher's card, and learns that Jane is an orphan. But Miss Mr. Morton comes upon them and hypnotizes him. Oh, what's what's stupid is that Bert is the one that gets hypnotized. I don't know if that's stupid. There are certain people who are better at getting hypnotized than others. Yeah, I'm I'm one of the few that can. Which is why, like... I can be hypnotized, but it takes a lot. Like, it's hard for me to fall asleep, so it's hard for me to be hypnotized, but I can be hypnotized. I can't, because I just... Not because I'm, like, skeptical. Because I'm not paying attention. (laughs) Well, my mom... So, I know that, like, I know there's a spectrum, because my mom is actually very easy to hypnotize. And she's, like, the most intelligent person I know, so I know it has nothing to do with It's literally attention. If mm-hmm. you you might be looking at this person and you might be listening to them, but you are thinking of like twenty different things. That actually makes a lot of sense knowing my mom. To me, I'm I'm just not paying attention. Like I'm not I can't focus on anything. I'm I i do not have ADHD, which I've been tested for, so I don't have ADHD. But like my brain immediately, so once, remember, we talked about this already. I have that three levels thing where, like, I'm already three levels ahead before, like, as I'm watching, I'm three levels ahead. I'm thinking about, like, how this film, how this scene was filmed and who's the actors and, like, how they're, like, mm. putting what things they're doing. And so for me, 
hypnotism isn't possible because I'm like, well, he's hypnotized me, so what does this mean? He's trying to access this part of my brain, and so I, it's impossible because I'm always thinking three levels deep, and I'm, I'm paying attention to you. I hear what you're saying, but I don't really. But you don't have the focus. I just, I just don't have the focus. Because I'm thinking. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Like, my mom is so much easier to hypnotize than I am. I can be hypnotized, but it takes a lot of work and, like, a a long time. And then you can't be hypnotized at all. In the scene where he's, like, asking the questions, I'd be like, wait, why are you asking me this question? We were talking about, like, my stomach issues. Because he was saying that lunch had... He was like, look at my eyes. Yeah. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. No, no, no. How is that going to (laughs) help me with... Because my stomach issues are the fact that I'm probably allergic to something that was... Like, so that would be why the hypnotism would work. Because I'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay. Lightning round. All of the interstitials are going to be on me saying lightning round. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Uh, At the police station. I forgot the word because I'm very... I have finished my bottle. Oh, have you? Mine is still Because I don't drink like you do. Uh, this is very good. Oh, yeah, mine's excellent. I'm not complaining. Spoilers. Well, it's tastes like grape juice. <laughs> uh, Lindsay says that Alistair is the one who lets him actually use his identity, and so it wasn't Alistair who got arrested. It was Lindsay. Because all white people look the same. Miss Fisher finds Jane and her little friend Ruth pocketing all of her jewelry and Mr. Butler finds Mr. Merton working out, s- lurking, lurking out. I 100% house. guarantee that um, she hides the good jewels and all of that was costume jewelry. It looked like costume jewelry. I would, I'm going to say. I, sub- I subscribe to that headcanon. I mean, it was just looked like pearl necklaces and you can make fake pearl necklaces real easy. Oh, that reminds me of that French uh, short story. Like that. That woman who lost a pearl necklace or a diamond necklace. Uh, 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 the Magi? Gift of the Magi? No, no, no. Gift of the Magi Magi was she cut her hair to buy her husband and he... But it was a paste, it was a paste diamond, oh. Yeah, it was a... a paste diamond necklace. The paste diamond necklace. And she, like, goes into... Is that French? It's a different story. She goes into debt to... Uh, Yeah, it is a different story. I'm drunk. But no, the paste diamond necklace. Is that French? Yeah, it is. Ah. I know, because I'm having my French 4 read it, like I said. My French 4 teacher didn't make me read that. Yeah, as a final hey, exam. I just want everyone to know that one time, Sabrina made me take her French 2 pet test, and I passed. Good. Was it? <laughs> oh, yeah, was it? Oh, God, I'm so drunk. Sorry. I'm super drunk right now. Fuck. Okay. We both are. This fucking thing. All right, lightning round. It was fucking Alistair and Eunice. Yes. It was Alistair. And yes. it was mostly Alistair. Eunice was in on it a little bit. She thought they were just going to j- steal the jewels. Which, because he didn't pass, or oh, because he dropped out of the university, he would have moved. So this is all literally a capitalism plot. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. Comrades, raise a glass to Bert. He was right. Did you figure it out? Yeah. It was... I 
it was when Lindsay had the blister on his hand, but I knew it wasn't Lindsay because so uh Franny doesn't sleep with criminals. So she was interested in Lindsay, so I was like, Okay, it's not Lindsay. Mm, I definitely thought it was Lindsay for a long time. Like the minute she laid eyes on him, I thought it was Lindsay. It is when I figured it out. When they showed the envelope with the uh to the prize winner. Oh, uh, good call, good call. That's when I knew. I was like, oh, so they somebody's trying to frame him. So again, this is not the first time I've watched this episode. This is this is only the second time I watched it, but I did not remember because I had pneumonia. So watching this, I was like, "Oh, that's so pretty!" And Agatha Christie, and it's a train. Well, so I remembered from the first time that I watched it that it was one of the two university guys, but I couldn't remember which one it was. And I thought, compared to the first episode. It did a really good job of setting up Lindsay as the red herring. Yes, it did. Because of the hand. Because of Mm -hmm. the bandage. And because of him being so fucking vague. Yeah, that too. But I also, when you get Friday from the first episode, you know she knows people. And she doesn't sleep with criminals. Like, look, who did she sleep with in the first episode? Sasha. Exactly. And was he guilty? No. Okay. Okay. Let's extrapolate this one level further. I know you like levels. Who would we have slept with from the first episode? Sasha. And who would we have slept with from the second episode? Lindsay. What? (laughs) We are Fridays, though. But we've already established that we fucking love Fridays because we fucking love Lady Felicia. And Lady Felicia, while she's a philanderer and adulterer, doesn't sleep with criminals. Circle! Although she was interested in the actual murderer. That one episode that we did watch. But she didn't end up doing anything. She didn't. Because she was married and felt guilty. I don't know if that's why. I think it was just because it was timing was bad. Timing was bad, yeah. I mean... The universe abides. She has a wavering moral compass, but Friday doesn't. Did you like this episode? No. No? Okay. I didn't like it as much as I liked the first episode. It was fine. Really? Yeah. I prefer the first episode. Because wow. it was it was too Agatha Christie. Oh. And it didn't have my favorite lesbian. I should have back. Yeah, no, okay. That's a very fair point. And I, I love Dr. Mac. And I don't like Jack. Not that it was Jack heavy. Oh, so here's the thing about this. I should have made my gasp louder. <gasps> okay. It was. I'm going to edit that shit in. I knew it already. Okay. It was too familiar for me. It was too formulaic. It was too. It wasn't different enough. Minus the fact that it was Sentinel Shred. So for I me, respect that. And I counter that with, I loved it because of all of the things that you just said. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> like, it's just, it's too, it's too close to my personal experience that when I watch something, like, I watch something for two reasons. To be totally transported into another dimension. Or to be, like, I wasn't 
like, I watched it, like, two hours ago. I wasn't, <laughs> like, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to oh, distract Oh, see, me. I felt the exact opposite. Like, in fact, one of the things that I had written down that I, we didn't really talk about because we lightened around and fucking everything <laughs> is, like, the train itself was beautiful. The train itself was beautiful. The paneling was carved and exquisite and was beautiful in 1920s. I literally tweeted, nothing makes me more homesick than Jeff Tech, you have to follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Tech, and his least used stations video on YouTube for all its faults. And there are many. Every train ride I've ever had that I've ever done in the UK has been fantastic. I have been on trains by the time. And that could possibly be why I'm like, oh, okay, I know everything about this. This is familiar to me. This is territory. It's like, it would be similar to a murder mystery being set in the Austin Lakes. I don't know what they're called. The Ballad? The Lakes with the little, like, jump-off points. You mean in Austin, Texas? Yes. Oh, like Town Lake? Yeah. Okay. Technically, it got renamed to Ladybird Lake, but, like, Austinites know it's town fucking lake. I don't care. But it would be, like, something very similar and comforting and, like, an old sweater that you love that's falling apart and that you should probably not wear in public. That's what the second episode felt like to me. And I feel like Americans who don't have that similarity with overnight trains and that kind of, like, that kind of atmosphere... Would probably love it. It would seem quaint. It would seem otherworldly. And so for me, it was the feeling of familiarity when I didn't need familiarity. That makes a, that makes a lot of sense. That that tracks for me because also part of that I remarked on, like in my notes, was like the China. They used fucking China in the dining car. And like I've been on a few trains, not a lot, but a few. Like I took um. Specifically, very, very specifically, I decided to take the train from Prague to Berlin because I had seen it was a beautiful ride. It is. And, like, you, the, the only reason you go into the dining car is to, like, get a beer and a fucking sandwich. Like, it's not that... And there are still trains that have China in Britain. I probably liked it more when I watched it the first time, but this time, to talk about it, it was a very... Well, it was a very good, cozy mystery. I will say that. It was an excellent cozy mystery. And and I think I'm also having the same kind of reaction, though. Like, this, is, I, this isn't necessarily the second time I'm watching it. I watched, like, the first season again. But this is the first time I'm watching it with such a critical lens. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, this is good. I, feel, I actually, I, I love that it's holding up because I still really enjoyed it. I like Friday Fisher, but it's an Agatha Christie novel. With this character. is yeah, yeah. I will agree. This is very Agatha Christie, but I loved it because. Whereas uh, you, you, you docked it a few notes. I, I would dock it a few points because I knew it. All right, all right. Rate it like a wine out of nine. How many points would you give this episode? Five. Okay, that's better than average. Whereas I'm, I'm, I'm probably a firm eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It was Friday was exactly. Her quote, I climbed the Kilimanjaro, turned me off with it. Actually, it really did. It really did. Because I'm like, No, I mean, it was clearly like a new money shit. Like, I I, I took it as a new money shit. And like, 
I I thought it was charming in that vein. Yeah, and but, but it actually turned me off, which you know, it's just the difference between you and I. Once again, I'm watching on like three levels. So when she said that, it was like, oh, of course she did, of course she did, because Kilimanjaro <laughs> still belongs to Britain, and so does Austria. Oh shit! I didn't realize that, but you're right. Yeah, fucking, we talked about it. The Happy Valley crew. Yeah. So Kilimanjaro. So for me, looking through it through a an anti-colonial lens, I don't like Franny as much. I love Franny, but I also realize she's a colonialist character. Well, I mean, okay. So for I mean, even for me though, this episode definitely brought back like the difference between inherited wealth and earned wealth. Yes. Two, and I just want us to have fun, Dot. And I don't know if this episode that was made in 2012 gets made in 2019. It would, because we I, I think it would be very similar. It would I think be, it would be very, very similar. And But I think there would be enough, I think there would be slight changes. Like, if you and I were writing this episode, I think we would keep the Agatha... Feel yeah, oh yeah. It. I think that I think there was some excellent tension between Jack and Franny that you and I both love. Like me personally, fucking love. I still don't like Jack. It takes me a long time. I mean, J- Jack is a hard character to love. Like that's it kind literally of takes me until the third season. To like Jack. I don't get me wrong. If I had never watched the show before, I think I would have feelings very different about Jack. <laughs> I have gaspy breaths about Jack. It takes me up. Fucking on up. And the fact that he says, we were never lucky. For me, I'm like, you are hitting on a married person. I'm not. Like, if no, polygamy is No, Jack is. Thing, I think, I, okay, I will disagree with you there. I think Jack is trying to very subtly hint that he is married and not hit on a married person, but just be like, listen... I'm married, Listen, so you should probably stop hitting on me. Yes, I think that's more what it, the vibe is. But it held my innards. Like, if you are not a polygamist, if you are not in a polygamy, if you're not into polyamory, polyamory. if you're not into polyamory, then hitting on a monogamous is bad form at the most. You know what I mean? But see, the thing is, Jack has never been the one doing the hitting. Yes, that's very true. Although, in this episode, he was slightly hitty. Not slightly hitty. No, he was attracted. That's the difference. He was attracted. There is a very, very big difference between attracted to somebody and hitting on somebody. That's very true. And that's the thing that I love about this episode, is that it, it walks that line so very delicately. The reason I didn't like this episode wasn't because of that, but it did got no, points. No. It did got points from from both Friday and Jack, who should have like at least I don't know if he wears a wedding ring. I don't, well, so I, I don't know if he wears a wedding ring either. But at the same time, you and I both know because we've seen the show before that Jack is separated from his wife. Yes. So it is conceivable that he is not wearing a wedding ring, but that he is still married. And that he still feels some type of way about his wife. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. So tell me then, Sabrina. How did you like your wine? I fucking loved it. 
Holy shit, it was good. I took one sip and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Um, I have drunk South American wines, probably not on this show before, but South American wines, so there's a couple things about South American wines. The lack of oxygen. I fucking love a wine that speaks Spanish. Do not even. <laughs> the lack of oxygen makes the grapes have to grow in a different way, have to work harder to grow. And the. Episode one, us. Uh, we don't know anything about wine. Episode fucking whatever the fuck this is. Sabrina, it's the lack of oxygen in the fucking grapes. I know a lot about wine. I didn't say that in the first you episode. You fucking liar. Um, it's got a lot of leaks, which means that the alcohol content is very high. And, oh, but, I know what that means. Yeah, that's what leaks mean on a wine. <laughs> I mean, I just knew what it looked like. So, the thing is, um, it has a lot of alcohol content. But also, if you are drinking this at a high altitude, you get drunk faster. Oh shit! So I'm doing both. If you drink, if you drink wine with a lot of leg at a high altitude, you get drunk. Doing. I am so... drunk because I'm not. I'm not a drinker. So I've drunk two glasses of wine with high legs. So this has a high alcohol content. So what's your alcohol content? They put the, they they're legally obliged to put that in the bottle. Of course. Uh, Fuck. 13%. Oh, bitch, girl. <laughs> and what is your sea level? Uh, sea level. Yo. <laughs> no, I know. I know. What I'm, I'm setting you up to fail. I know. I'm at <laughs> nothing. Um, hold on. 136 feet. So I'm not. Okay. I'm like, okay. okay, so I'm just going to throw this out there. I know this is a conversation. I'm drinking... At five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an excellent memnonic. Mm-hmm. Five tomatoes for a mile. Alcohol mm-hmm. content fourteen percent by volume. Mm-hmm. I haven't eaten since uh, about noon. So out of nine, Sabrina, eight and a half. Rate your wine eight and a half because um it gets you drunk really fast, which is. <laughs> If you're looking for that in a wine, that's good. But um, it also tastes very good. It's a dry wine. So if you're not into dry wine, that's fine. I prefer sweet wine, so that's why I'm not going to But it's so fucking good. An eight and a half for Chardonnay. Damn, girl. No, no, no. It's fucking delicious. I would give this. It's not, I'm not, it is literally not the best mallet back I've ever had. I I drank the entire fucking bottle. Oh, nice. Order. I have maybe a glass. I, I will say, this is not the best Malbec I've ever had. It was very tasty. I um, strong recommend, this is a night with your girls wine. I feel like Sabrina and I have had a night with your girls. <laughs> the nightiest night. <laughs> Only thing missing was fucking manicures. Well, what's funny is every Sunday I do my nails. So, <laughs> I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. This is a straight-up tasty-ass Malbec. Um, I think I got it for $10. Like, I don't think it was even on sale. Like, it was a normal-ass Malbec. Drinkable as shit. What's weird? So, little wines are either plonk or actually not terrible. No, it's totally that that way. And I think also partially because, Sabrina, you're not a red wine drinker. No. So, fun fact... Um, Malbec, the grape, 
is actually a French grape. Yes, I know that. <laughs> and it, but Malbec, the wine, is only a South American wine these days because what happened was they planted Malbec vines in South America, both in Chile and Argentina, and they, you know, flourished and whatever. And then after those grapes started flourishing, a massive fungus hit France and killed all the Malbec grapes in France. So now you only get Malbec wines from South America. I actually knew that. Well, aren't you just a trivia repository? Well, where can people find you on Twitter, Sabrina? At SDM Rights, where I don't talk about wine. And you can find me on Twitter at ClassLizzie. And you can find our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night. And I would like to dedicate tonight's podcast to Greta Thunberg. Um, because she has come up with the Swedish tradition of Knugskam, which is quite shameful. She has done all of her promotional appearances whilst on a train. And she knows how important it is. So Greta Thunberg, Mike's wine is for you. I know it's from Chile. Sorry. And I hope that you can change the whole entire world with your voice. Thank you. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice, which requires no flying because it's all on the internet. Just don't download bitcoin we do not support cryptocurrency which is not surprising because we're a socialist <laughs> but you should tell your friends just like you should tell them about socialism <laughs> yes and you should also leave us a five-star review because socialism yes and if you leave us a nice review we will toast to you Tonight, I'm toasting to Rish, who says, This is the content I've been waiting for, TVH. I'll listen to it tonight with a glass of wine over my own. Thank you, love. That's what we need. Yes! There's a reason we launched on Wine Wednesday. <laughs> we thought this through. We also say, what, Sabrina? Spasiba! To Anton Koryakov, who wrote The Simple Life, uh, off the album, Restart. Or Restart. Or Restart. We're not quite sure. Uh, thank you so much. That is our theme song. We get it through Attribution License 3.0 of Creative Commons. We love you so much. I feel like we need to write you a handwritten thank you card. We will write you a handwritten <laughs> thank you card because we appreciate etiquette. Especially Sabrina. Oh, yeah. Spasiba! Until next time.